Let us pray. Father, as I bring your words, open our hearts, comfort us, challenge us, help us to know what you are saying to us personally from the story of Daniel. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for everyone here and everyone watching online. Bless us now, Lord. We ask it in your name. Amen. So today, I really want to talk about our faithfulness to God, continuing with the story of Daniel's faithfulness. And there are three incidents in Daniel's life which example three characteristics of the faithfulness of the believer. Big academic theology books. I don't know why, but I do. And I read lots of them. And one of them I've been reading recently talks about different ways of interpreting the Bible. So one way of look, looking at a biblical text is as history. And that is what I did with the help of Mark. We just really told the story of Daniel. That's as a window. But sometimes another way of looking at scripture is like a mirror. And there we look at ourselves in light of the story we are reading. And James, in the book of James, wrote this, which is a very similar idea. You need to be doers of the word and not just those who hear it. For if you do not do it, you deceive yourselves. For those who just hear the word and do not do it, they are like a person who looks at themselves in a mirror. They see their image, but then they turn away from the mirror and forget what they look like. But whoever looks into the perfect law of freedom and continues to look therein and remembers what they need to do and does it, they will be blessed. And that's James 1, 22 to 25. So for example, you might go and look in the mirror. This is an example of what it means. You go to a mirror, you look in the mirror and you see you've got chocolate all the way around your face where you've been eating your goo puddings. Clean it. Now, if you're going out to a, a meeting, a special meeting at work afterwards, you would be absolutely, oh, I use the word stupid, if you didn't then go to the bathroom and wash off all the chocolate. Otherwise, you'd look a bit daft if you go into a, a top board business meeting. And James says, it is that stupid if you don't do what the Bible says, or what God is saying to you through the Bible to do. So if you look into the law of God, if you look into the Bible saying, Lord, what do I do in this situation? And you get a word from God, this is what I want you to do. You might hear it in your quiet time or in your Lectio Divino. Lectio Divine, what's it called? Lectio 2... Yeah, Lectio 365, that's what I'm trying to remember. The Lectio 365, which is an app you can get Bible readings each day. You might hear something, something that says, this is God speaking to me, this is what I've got to do. And if you know that, 
and you turn away and you don't do it, then you're as, as daft as the man who looks into the mirror, sees the chocolate and doesn't wipe it off before his board meeting. And that is when scripture is a mirror. So if we use the story of Daniel as a mirror, we get some interesting ideas about our lives lived for God. So the first aspect of faith to change. Daniel's life as he settled into Babylon was a strange mixture. If you think about when he first arrived, he would have been a total fear of the unknown. What was going to happen to him? Was he going to be tortured? Was he going to be used as a slave where he'd have to hack rock for the rest of his life? Intense sadness at the loss of everything he knew. All change, fear, confusion, not knowing what was his role anymore. And then suddenly there was this unexpected turn of events and it all worked out and he ended up being trained with a few other young men from Israel in the courts of Nebuchadnezzar. He was now again respectable. He was wearing very, very posh clothes. He was being trained to be one of the leading lights in Nebuchadnezzar's government and things were good. Change had come and sometimes change comes for us. And I, maybe you're going through a period of change and it's not as intense as Daniel's, but we all go through these periods. COVID, lockdown, and the resulting fear and loneliness and the new normal, everybody's going through a certain amount of change. And it can result in fear and loneliness, confusion. It can be devastating to our mental health at times. And change comes all too often and we don't know how to deal with it. And like Daniel, we feel lost. And sometimes we just want to return to the life that we knew before, where it was settled and routine and, and happy. So consider how Daniel reacted to change. He had the chance to make a brilliant life for himself. And he did. He had the choice between goo puddings and carrots. And the thing about that is, is that it wasn't like in today's government, where if you put a foot wrong, you might get sort of told off by the prime minister or you might have to resign. Mate, you would have been hacked to death by lions. It was, it was not nice. So in making that choice, it was a big, big choice for Daniel. And to go down the route that he, know God, he knew God would ask him to take, which was not eating, but to eat the things that God had blessed. Well, we've done all of that in the children's talk. But Daniel chose to put himself in a very vulnerable position by following the path that God had made clear to him. So the key watchword in Daniel's life here was obedience. So as a mirror, the story of Daniel invites us to put ourselves into his story. Wherever we meet change, our faithfulness to God requires that we remain obedient to him, even in difficult circumstances like Daniel did.
So often there are elements which God will make clear to us and it's spending that time with him. It's going into what some of us call the secret place. The Bible calls it that. He requires of us that we get to know him like I know my husband or my kids or my very close friends. I actually spend time with him. I could read a book about my husband. I could look at all my photo albums. And I could think, he's a really good man. He must be, he supports Watford. He's really good. And he plays music. I mean, what more do you want in life? And he cooks. And he washes up. Brilliant, you know. But unless I spend time with him, unless I go and speak to him, I never really know him. And when the Bible talks about knowing God, this was the relationship that Daniel had with God. He's not talking about being able to read the Bible and say, yeah, that's my God. He's talking about spending time where you listen. You don't just say, Lord, I've got a very long prayer list this morning. Everything that you've got on your prayer list, which is great. But he still wants that special time where you just sit before him. Sometimes it's just silence. You listen to him when you've asked a question and you wait for him and you get to know him. So that was the sort of relationship where you hear what the mirror is having to say to you. And sometimes it's a dangerous course of action, but more of that in the future. So there's nothing like your own sermon answering your own question. So I have been greatly helped by my sermon this week, and I'm gonna tell you why. So most of you know that my daughter married an American, and she has been in America now for 10 years, and he's an American citizen. She lives in Nashville, Tennessee, with her husband and my two grandsons, Harry, who is nine, and Rowan, who is four. And we haven't seen them for two years. And then suddenly the US said that its, its citizens could leave the US, yes. And on that day, my Susie found cheap flights and said, mum, we're coming for a month at Christmas. And I thought, yay, that's great. And then a lot of hard work, but great, right? So then about a month ago, one Monday morning, I was thinking about everything that I had to do preparing for my daughter to come. And I went into panic overdrive and I had an anxiety attack. And I sat there having the shakes. And my very wise husband looked at me and said, you are grandma, you are not mum. And later I was talking to Frankie and she also is a very, very wise lady. And she said she'd gone through something exactly like that. She'd been visiting her kids over the weekend and she'd had sort of two families together and lots of kids around. And normally she'd be playing with all the kids and making lunch if it was at her house and goodness knows what. But she just sat in the corner and the kids occasionally would come and show her things and ask to play with her. But she didn't really know what the parents were talking about and who was doing lunch but that's being grandma. And she said something really, really important, which was really how Daniel tackled his change in circumstances. She said, I had to learn that I am no longer mum. 
because a mum manages things. And this could well be if you suddenly retired, you are used to managing. We manage things, we organise things, we get everything working out. We're, we're the boss, it's great, we get it all organised. But then things change and our children grow up and they have families of their own. And we have to let go, we have to retire and let them look after their kids. Let them make the decisions, let them leave their lives without us saying, well, what about, have you remembered your keys? And how many times do we still end up saying that? Because we are, by default, mothers or fathers or businessmen who have been managers and then suddenly nothing. So I had to learn that, in fact, my Susie is in control of the children. In fact, as a grandparent, I am there for one who serves. And yes, I will have to organise things, but it's under Susie's ruling, especially when it comes to the kids. And I think I learnt from this Daniel that I could have two choices about how I go with this. Either I could say I'm a victim and I could think, you know, actually, since they're coming to my house, I ought to be in charge. You know, I'll tell Susie what she can do. Um, and I could be a victim and feel sorry for myself that I was no longer in charge or feel sorry for myself and want to sort of actually say, yeah, well, I'm going to be mum and put my foot down and say, yeah, no, I will do it my way. Also, I have the choice. Well, I have the choice between, in a way, being a victim, in a way, knowing what my role is, what my new role is. And the word of God tells me to love. That's why we sang a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. God gave us free will. He lets us choose the routes we want to choose, even if they're not the right ones. So I chose the route of obedience and I'm going to love Susie and I am going to just go with the flow and let her allergic to many things, believe me. So anyway, this sermon really helped me to see that by being obedient to God and just loving and serving, I would be a happy bunny and I'd have a lovely month. That's not to say I won't get tired, but there you go. So the second characteristic of faithfulness, as mirrored by Daniel, is, if you like, the negative bit of the positive. It concerns the negative effects when we don't do what God asks us to do. When we look in the mirror and we don't wipe the chocolate away. It's found in the little word that Daniel used to justify eating carrots. And it's that word defile. Now in the Hebrew language, it means to desecrate, to pollute, to make unclean. Anything that defiled a person separated them from God. They were no longer able to be used by God to the extent which he would like to use them. God had made it very clear in his book in Leviticus that there were certain foods that the Israelites should not eat. 
And that's not what this is about. So I'm not going to go into the reasons behind, behind those pro prohibitions. But it's sufficient to say that God knew and said that certain foods should not be eaten. Sometimes we can't understand, a bit like the Levitical laws on what you can eat and what you can't eat. Sometimes we can't understand why God says some things are right and other things are wrong. But nevertheless, he tells us and he asks for our faithfulness. There's a beautiful verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 3, which says, Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Very famous verse. But it says, don't lean on your own understanding. And it's when we do that we tend to fall in a heap because God's doing something other than what you think he's doing. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That was what Daniel did. That was what I did in that circumstance with the grandkids coming. And he showed me the way through. He will guide us. He guided Daniel as to what to do. And the Bible tells us rather, uh, I don't know, rather comfortingly that the chief eunuch who was in charge of these young men, God caused his heart to warm towards Daniel. And he was happy to let Daniel eat his carrots, even though he could have got it in the neck for, for listening to Daniel. But there was favour that God brought favour to this young man who was in charge of the Israeli young men. And so it all worked out. And Daniel looked a lot healthier after 10 days on lentils and carrots. Maybe we ought to try it. Anyway, there you go. But quite seriously, when we don't obey God, when we do do our own thing or rely on our own thinking, it's damaging to us. It's not just that, oh, I've done wrong. Oh. It goes deeper. This word defile, pollute, it starts to get... In the book of Hebrews, it uses the example of bitterness or resentment. And the writer to the Hebrews says that if we don't get rid of it straight away, it can grow down inside us and become a root that can take over our whole being. I think we've all been there at times where somebody has hurt us and we've resented them. And that resentment has grown and grown if we haven't dealt with it and asked God to forgive and help us to forgive. And it can grow down and down. And the Bible tells us, the writer of the Hebrew says, then it grows up and it becomes something which comes out of our mouths and we start to say horrible things about that person who has hurt us. So it takes over, it consumes us. And that is what it means by defiles. If you don't catch something that you've done wrong very quickly and repent and say, actually, Lord, I will do it your way, then it starts to take us over. Another story. So as a young lady of 18, I went to teach a training college and I met Dave and I fell head over heels in love with him. By the end of our first date, I decided where I was putting the cot, how many babies we were having, what sort of house I'd like, fallen head over heels in love. Now, as a result, so I don't know if any of you uh, more elderly ladies, and gentlemen, can remember your first flushes of love, but I showed it by doing my husband's washing. I used to iron his socks and put front greases in his pyjamas. And that was how it was. I was trying to, to show him that I would make a very good wife. 
anyway. Nobody told me about washing things. And his mum had bought him spotless white T-shirts, shirts, white underwear. Amazing. You can probably see where this story is going. So halfway through the term, he'd sort of proposed. So I thought, well, I'll get on with this then. So I said, I'll do your washing. Anyway, second or third time of doing the washing, I had bought a beautiful new red T-shirt. Didn't realise, yeah, okay, the college dryers and the washing machines, you did, it was so expensive, you did everything in one go. You didn't do a white wash, as I learnt later. And you can guess, can't you? Dave's beautiful, pristine white shirts and T-shirts and underwear came out bright pink. Well, we laugh about it now. At the time, it was most embarrassing, and he was most embarrassed. Anyway, he took all his stuff home at Christmas, and Mum bleached it. And you know, it wasn't quite as white ever again, but it wasn't bad. And it got all the stuff out. And I think that is a perfect picture of how disobedience pollutes us, how it makes us into something we're not intended to be. It's like that, you put things in the wash and you get all swirly inside and everything gets mixed up and you get confused and it's not a nice feeling to be out of sync with God. But mom did everything came back together. And if in our lives we do defile ourselves, and I will use that word, by not obeying God, and I'm not talking now about the odd thing we do wrong. John, in the book of John, 1 John, he talks about those who are Christians do not continue to sin. It's not a one-off, oh, I'm so sorry, Lord, I didn't mean to do that. It's the sort where we continue, where we refuse to obey God and we continue in our disobedience, that is the time we become defiled. And that is the time that we specifically need to go to God and repent. And by the word repent, it means turn back to God's ways wholeheartedly. And then, yeah, he does, he bleaches us and he turns us back into the people we should be reinstated into our relationship with him. So the third aspect of faithfulness considers the cost and the reward of our obedience. So God honoured Daniel in every situation because he was faithful, because he obeyed. In later years, his faithfulness landed him in all sorts of awful consequences. And this was Daniel openly praying before the window, before his window or outside, inside his window, so everybody could see him and he talked to Yahweh, his God. And there were men in the king's court who were jealous of him and who wanted to get rid of him and who reported him. Told the king that basically he should be an emperor, he should be a god, and people ought to bow down and worship him. And there should be no other gods. So Daniel was hauled in front of the king and told he had to bow down to the king and Daniel refused. And the result was, he got fed to the lions. And we all know the story. He came out in one piece because God was faithful in honouring his obedience. That lion has been sitting there 
for the whole time, or at least since we were telling the story with Mark. And that is a reminder because lions are very, very real. The cost of obedience is sometimes devastating. It can be as simple as the lions of discomfort. You don't really want carrots, you'd rather have goo, but in fact, you know carrots are better for you for most of the time. So yeah, lions of discomfort, sometimes giving up our rights when we think, I'm in the right, why should I give way? When in fact, if you did, it would make life a lot more peaceful. Some lions are very, very growly, and these can be friends who laugh at us, friends who talk about us behind our backs, friends who openly say, you're rubbish. Why on earth did you do that? You ought to be doing this. We all know there's many different sorts of lions that come from people. And then there are lions, if we live in certain countries of the state, who will come and take believers, put them in prison, torture who is just watching every one of you, waiting for you to make a slip up. And when you do, rawr, he will, he will pounce. He wants to devour you. He's not just a nice, friendly lion like Tess. He is a lion who is intent on devouring you. That means trying to get your hook, line and sinker into the sin or the disobedience that you have committed. What I was talking about, bitterness, that is partly the doing of the lion of the devil. So you've always got him on your tail, plus all these other things. So obedience to do the right thing. But if you choose God's way and you choose to do what he's telling you, then the result, both James and Daniel, is blessing and blessing is sometimes you know I always tend to write at the bottom of my emails God bless and it's just something I put there because I'm a Christian I think that's a good thing to say but blessing actually means something it means I'm going to be with you I'm going to help you I'm going to make it possible for you to get through this and I want to end just with that last bit of the story of Daniel uh, his and they got put in the fiery furnace, not Daniel, but his three mates, Madrach, Medrach, no, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you ought to know those by now, they went through the fiery furnace and they'd heated up the fire seven times hotter than it is normally and they said, we will not bow down and call the king the God, we will not bow down to him. And even if God doesn't protect us from the flames, we will not disobey him. They were willing to die for their faith. But God did protect them. And the king, who had actually got to know these guys, sat and looked through the fiery furnace to see if they'd been consumed. And they hadn't. In fact, the bonds that they had been tied with had disappeared. And there was a fourth person walking through the fiery furnace with them, the Lord God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they came out of the fiery furnace unburnt, their clothes unburnt. The only things burnt were the ropes that had tied them. 
And that's often the way we go through suffering. God doesn't always take it out of it, but he goes through it with us. And that's his blessing, his presence with us. He helps us and he will, through times of suffering, get rid of the things or burn the things that hold us. That's what I would like us to remember today, that obedience results in blessing. And though it costs us, it is the very, very best way to go. Amen.